for your goodness, for your mercies, for your kindness, for your protection, for your comfort, for your care. We offer up praise. We offer up praise. Nobody, amen, could have sustained us, can sustain us, can keep us like the Lord can. Hallelujah. We praise the Lord for Tabernacle of Praise, Sanctuary, Choir, Praise Team, for the music ministry. Amen. And we certainly thank God for each of you on today. I'd like to take us now to the Word of God just believe that the Lord wants to continue to encourage, empower, equip, sustain the people of the Lord. And I'm thankful when I consider what God has done for us, how he has blessed us, how he has given us what we need in order to be sustained regardless of what life may bring. And because whatever we're into, God is in it with us. And so I'd like to direct your attention to the word of the Lord. First verse, where there's a familiar story. And I don't really want to deal with the story so much as how the story is incorporated into the first several chapters of the book of Acts, which sends a solid message to the church to understand what we really have at our disposal. So I'd like to go to Acts chapter 3. I'll begin reading at verse 1. And we'll probably conclude my reading around verse 8. It reads, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. He and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Let me go just a little bit farther. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. The word of the Lord is blessed. 
just before we pray, I'd like to take a thought this morning. Moving back to dependence on the power of God. If that becomes too long of a, of a, of a topic for you to remember, just remember the last phrase, depending on the power of God. Let's pray. Precious Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you with thanksgiving, thanking you, Lord, for your goodness, for your loving kindness, your tender mercy. Thank you, Lord, because you have placed something down on the inside of the believers. God, that will never die, that will never go out, that will never empty, that will never vanquish. We thank you, God, for your power. We thank you for your spirit on this morning. We pray that you would take center stage now, take complete control while you have our attention, while we are looking in your direction, while we are searching, oh God, for answers. We ask, oh God, that you would take control, wrestle every foul spirit to the floor, right where each and every one is right now, God. We ask that you would take authority over that place, that you would fill it with your presence so that the people of the Lord would know that you are here that you are present, that you are Jehovah Shammah in the name of Jesus. Have your way now, God. Take these lips of clay. God, take these thoughts that you placed into my mind. God, and enable me, oh God, to, to, to communicate to your word, your word, oh God, to the people of the Lord with power and authority. Hallelujah. Giving you the glory, the praise, and the honor for it in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. In the book of Acts, this story begins and becomes a reminder to us of the demonstration of God's power 2,000 years ago when believers proclaimed the name of Jesus Christ and that cause, that, that, that proclamation, that believing in God, believing in the power that's demonstrated by the Holy Ghost. It caused the blind to be able to see and lame to walk. Hallelujah. Even the dead were raised up. And the name of Jesus had power, the power to cause evil spirits to flee out of individuals. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It had power to bring men's hearts and minds, uh, hallelujah, in the right standing with God. Uh, it had a life-changing experience upon the people of God, uh, hallelujah, because the power of the Lord Jesus uh, was proclaimed in all that land. And the reality is that 2,000 years later, over 2,000 years later, Hallelujah, that power, hallelujah, still exists in the, word to, in the world today. Hallelujah, Jesus' power has never waned. It has never gone uh, out. Oh, it has never, hallelujah, become subject to any other authority or power. And I praise God for it on today. The only question is today is whether or not we, the believers in 2020, do we really believe in the power of God? Do we really trust in the authority of Jesus Christ? We are willing to live in such a way 
hallelujah, sometimes uh, that we don't always uh, represent the Lord, uh, hallelujah, in the way that he should be represented. But I come today to give you the assurance, uh, hallelujah, that it's time for us that really do believe uh, in the power of almighty God uh, to declare uh, a radical dependency uh, on the and, and, and demonstrate a desperate need uh, for the power of God, uh, the power that only comes from the Holy Ghost uh, that provides for the believer, hallelujah, uh, a realization uh, that the efforts that we put forth uh, to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ uh, will not go unrewarded. To this point, I will attempt to show how that what I will refer to as the American dream, how it differs from the call of Jesus and the essence of the gospel. And this difference is heightened when we contrast the trust in the power of God to the reliance of our own abilities. As the American dream goes, we can do anything that we set our minds to. We can accomplish anything that we put our minds to. There is no limit to what we can do when we combine ingenuity, imagination, innovation, and education with the skills and hard work that we would be willing to put forth. We can earn any degree. We can start any business. We can climb any ladder, attain any prize, and achieve any goal. It is in the American dream where each man and each woman shall be able to attain to the fullest stature, hallelujah, of uh, their innate ability that's been given to them by God and then be recognized by everyone around, hallelujah, of what they have become, all because they have put their energy to it. So is there anything wrong with this kind of believing? Is there anything wrong with this particular picture? Certainly, hard work, high aspiration is not a bad thing. And the freedom to, to pursue life, liberty, and happiness comes along with the Constitution of the United States, and it should be celebrated. The scriptures, however, explicitly commends all of these things, but the danger is in assuming that the will that we have to go it in and by ourselves, to trust in our own abilities, has, has a real problem that's laced on the inside of it. Believe in yourself. Trust in yourself. Allow yourself to be drawn in any direction that you're thinking, and that's okay. We have to be careful of that kind of thinking, of that kind of self-reliance. The gospel has a different picture that it paints. The gospel have a different, has a different set of priorities that it, that it, it, it puts forth to, to the believer. The gospel encourages us to die to ourselves and believe in God and trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
we recognize our inability to accomplish anything of value apart from him as a believer. This is what is meant when it is said in Scripture by St. John in the 15th chapter where Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Any man that remains in me and I in him, he will bring, bear forth, he'll bear much fruit and bring forth much fruit. But he says that apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can't save yourself. Apart from me, I don't care how well and how much you can trust in a doctor. He's only as good as the power that I give him. And you need to remember that he's only practicing medicine. To understand and know that every good and perfect gift comes from above, down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness or shadow of turning. To be able to understand that apart, glory to God, uh, apart from God, uh, it's impossible to do anything. The gospel and the American dream are in direct contradiction with each other. God actually delights in showing up in the midst of our weakness. He likes showing up when we have exhausted every other avenue and have only been frustrated by the results and he is careful to bless us when we decide uh, that we are not able to do anything apart from him. He intentionally puts his people in situations where they have to come face to face with their own inabilities and their need for him. In the process, God powerfully demonstrates his ability to provide everything that his people need. Glory to God, in order for them, uh, glory to God, to be able to move forward and to imagine, hallelujah, their dreams coming into reality. And it's only because they have put their trust in him, uh, hallelujah, and he's proven himself faithful. In the end, he causes us to stand up and take notice of how great God really is. It's in this area where I'm convinced that the confidence and the dependency needs to be on God and not of ourselves. As a pastor in the United States of America, I'm, I don't say it proudly, I say it very cautiously, that I am a part of a system that has created a whole host of means and methods, plans and strategies for doing church that requires very little of the power of God. It is not just pastors who are involved in this particular charade, but it's also leaders and laity. They have also helped to create a culture and an appetite where we have blindly embraced the American dream mentality that emphasizes our abilities above God's abilities that emphasizes and exalts our name in the church more 
than God's name. First, hallelujah, we have decided in, in the American church philosophy that we need a good performance. In an entertainment-driven society like ours, we need somebody that can captivate the attention of the crowd. He needs to look good when we put him uh, in front of the video camera or the TV camera, hallelujah, or the internet. He or she needs to be backed up by a slamming choir, by a gifted worship leader, hallelujah, accompanied uh, by an accomplished uh, uh, music department. Next, we need a place that will hold the crowds that will come so that when we gather all of our resources, we're able to build uh, multi-million dollar facilities uh, to house these performances. We must make sure that every facet of our building is in excellent and pristine uh, condition. Uh, it's attractive uh, because after all, uh, this is what our culture expects. Finally, once the crowds get there, then we need something uh, that will keep them uh, coming back uh, time after time. Uh, hallelujah. We can't just be one and done, but we have to come up with some kind of gimmick, some kind of program uh, for every age. Uh, we need something for the kids, something for the young adults, uh, something for the singles, something for the couples, something for the senior citizens. Uh, we need to have everything in order so that uh, our programs are such that all all you need to do uh, because we got prepaid uh, professionals just drop them off uh, at the front door the parent the professionals uh, will take it from there you don't have to be involved uh, at all uh, we've got it uh, but I hear another voice uh, hallelujah saying without me uh, you can't do nothing uh, hallelujah you might be able to look successful uh, but it won't be effective uh, we have convinced ourselves uh, that if we can position our resources and organize uh, our strategies uh, then uh, in the church, uh, glory to God, uh, hallelujah, we have everything that we need. We can accomplish anything that we set our minds to. But what is strangely lacking in this particular picture of performances, personality, programs, professionals, in too many cases, there is a lack for the desperate need of God. And if we don't invite God into what we're doing, he is such a gentleman until he won't intrude. He'll just let us keep on believing that we're going somewhere when we're really not. Not so long ago, I was having a conversation with my wife regarding the, di regarding the difference between the first century church and the 20th and 21st century church. And I am frightened by the reality that too many of our churches today feel and act as though that they can carry on ministry. Hallelujah. They can, they can uh, hallelujah, operate smoothly and efficiently. Glory to God. And in some cases successfully, never realizing the need for the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, hallelujah. And they are not concerned uh, that the Spirit of God uh, is absent uh, from their facility. Uh, hallelujah. It's nothing more uh, than the Spirit of Ichabod. 
But let me just say to you, Tabernacle of Praise Church, uh, hallelujah, because God has convicted me uh, that I will not allow uh, you to be deceived into thinking uh, that the presence of uh, physical bodies in a crowd uh, can substitute uh, for the awesome spiritual, uh, hallelujah, power and vitality of the Holy Ghost in our community. When I opened this book of Acts, and I observe the picture of the church there. I see different images. I see a small band of disciples huddled together inside the upper room. They know that they need God's power. They are being threatened, hallelujah, by the powers to be. And they want to squash them. So if they are going to remain solvent, if there's going to be vitality in their ranks, they know that they need the power of Almighty God. They know that they are nothing more than Galileans, glory to God, that are, are dismissed, if you will by higher classes of, of, of Jews. They are considered to be low class. They are considered to be rural. They are considered to be country. They are considered to be commoners and uneducated. And to this group, uh, hallelujah, if they're going to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, if they're going to propagate Christianity, uh, hallelujah, so that uh, they, they need something special that will give them what they need. So when we open the book of Acts, what do we see them doing? They are joined together. And I want to advocate this. Look at this. They are joined together in constant prayer. They are not plotting strategies. They are not busy putting uh, an itinerary of things that they're going to do together. They're not putting faith uh, in themselves or their abilities, uh, but they are pleading uh, for the power of God. Hallelujah. They are confident uh, that they are not going to be able to accomplish anything outside the provision that God would give. Then God sends his spirit and everything changes. These uneducated Galileans start preaching and speaking the gospel in a multiplicity of languages that everybody in their own language can understand. The crowds are shocked. Peter stands up and begins to preach Jesus Christ. The same Peter who just a week or so ago, hallelujah, declared that he didn't even know Jesus. Now he stands uh, under the power of Almighty God uh, in front of thousands of people uh, and he preaches and proclaims Jesus Christ. Uh, and the Bible says more than 3,000 get saved on that day. He goes from a small band of 12, hallelujah, to a mega church all in one day by the power of God. In Acts chapter 4, they pray until the building where they are gathered together begins to shake. When the crowd saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary,
ordinary men, they came to the conclusion that these men must have been with Jesus. Hallelujah. They're not saying anymore, glory to God. Hallelujah. Does any good thing come out of Galilee? They are realizing that there is power in unexpected places. Is there anybody in here, glory to God, that believes in you? Is there anybody in here that says you're peculiar? Hallelujah. That you're unusual, that there's something special about you. Hallelujah. As we peruse through the book of Acts, it only gets better. In Acts chapter 5, the apostles are performing many miracles, signs, and wonders under the power of the Holy Ghost among the people. The sick are being healed of their disease. The evil spirits are being cast out. In Acts 6 and 7, the danger of the apostles Hallelujah, they have come under attack. They are experiencing persecution. It causes the church to increase, however. It doesn't matter how much the devil gets mad. Hallelujah, the more, glory to God, you come under attack, the stronger we become, the more we should spread the gospel. The demonstration of God's power is present, is present here. In chapter 8, the church is scattering into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, hallelujah, but the word of God continues to be preached. Philip, now filled with the Holy Ghost, is directed by the Spirit to minister to an Ethiopian eunuch, leads him to the Lord Jesus. In chapter 9, Saul, the persecutor of the saints, becomes a saint himself. Hallelujah. Is there anything that's too hard for God to do? Hallelujah. He can take the worst sinner and make a saint out of him. He can take somebody that persecutes Christians. Uh, and cause them to say, uh, I want to be saved. Uh, in Acts chapter 10, uh, hallelujah, radical, uh, hallelujah, racial and ethnic barriers uh, to the preaching of the gospel begins to collapse. Uh, in Acts chapter 11, uh, the church at Antioch is formed uh, and they begin uh, a ministry of missions uh, to the nations. Uh, in Acts chapter 12, uh, Peter sits uh, on death row uh, in a prison and sale. Hallelujah. But what happens? There's a demonstration of power. The saints begin to pray. The saints begin to call upon the name of the Lord. They begin to cry loud. Spare not. Lift their voice like a trumpet. Hallelujah. The church gathers together. Suddenly, while they're in prayer, Peter's chains fall off and he is led out of prison. Hallelujah, by an angel. Hallelujah, he's just about, uh, glory to God, sleepwalking through the whole process. Uh, in Acts chapter 13, uh, it launches uh, Paul into his ministry. And he travels from city to city, preaching the gospel, healing people of disease, uh, casting out demons, uh, even raising people from the dead. Uh, 
this is the design that God has for his people. God is giving unlikely people his power so that they can declare, hallelujah, his glory among the people. God is using people like you and me that literally come out of obscurity into notoriety because of the power of the living God. The story of the church continues throughout the rest of the New Testament Testament, and it is red. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And it calls me to long to be a part of this kind of scene in the church today. I'm advocating that God would do something for us. Hallelujah. To ignite us, to bring us to the forefront, to let people know uh, that without God uh, you can do nothing. Uh, I want to be in a scene uh, hallelujah where we refuse uh, to operate uh, in the mindset of the American dream uh, that depends on what I can do. Uh, it depends on my ability. It depends uh, on what I'm able to think. Uh, but I want to be uh, hallelujah in a part of a scene uh, that's radically dependent. Uh, hallelujah. That trust in God God, hallelujah, to do great and powerful things that provides, hallelujah, these kind of powers, this kind of anointing for unlikely people, hallelujah, giving us who have at this point perhaps limited resources, but the one thing that we do have is we have the power of Almighty God. God, help us, help us to walk in the full vesture of the authority of Jesus Christ. Uh, do I have a witness uh, on the day? Uh, hallelujah. Help us. Uh, hallelujah. That when we go down in prayer, uh, hallelujah, we can summon uh, the power of the Holy Spirit uh, so that yokes uh, might be destroyed, uh, so that burdens uh, might be lifted, uh, so that deliverance uh, might be realized. Uh, so, uh, hallelujah, we want to be able to take the authority over the enemy in the name of Jesus who has come in this season and has tormented the minds of so many. Hallelujah. I rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, God. I pray that you would intervene. I pray that you would get involved so that there's a peace in the mind, so that there's a peace in the emotion uh, that passes all understanding. Uh, God, uh, give us the courage. Uh, give us the boldness uh, in this season uh, to proclaim uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, until sinners uh, come crying. Uh, what must I do uh, to be saved uh, until backsliders uh, take on the mind uh, of the prodigal son uh, and say, uh, I will arise and go to my father and say, Father, I've sinned before you and God. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I knew you. What Peter and John were able to do for the lame man in the first century, hallelujah, under the power of God, we want to be able to demonstrate that uh, and realize that uh, in the 21st century. 
Acts 1 and 8 says, and you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You shall receive power. After that, uh, the Holy Ghost uh, has come upon you. I can't physically lay my hand on you right now, but I'm going to ask you to lay your hand on yourself and say to yourself, the power is in me. Say it again, the power is in me. I'm praying that God, hallelujah, would anoint us to be able to come together and pray. We've been doing a pretty good job, but I just believe that if more of us would fervently pray before God, hallelujah, if more of us would pray in faith, if we would pray united, pray until the power of God, hallelujah, glory to God, until the power of God breaks the back of this coronavirus in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, and so much so until the world recognizes that it's not by might, hallelujah, glory to God, it's not by military might, it's not because, hallelujah, we've got great doctors, it's not because we've got good medicine, it's not because we've got financial power, it's not because uh, we've got scientific intervention. Uh, it's not even because uh, we've got aspiration uh, of our political leadership. Uh, but uh, it's by the power uh, of Almighty God. Uh, somebody give God a praise where you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I trust God. I trust him because nobody can do you like the Lord can. Nobody can save like the Lord can. I'm getting ready to close, but what I'd like to, to, to address just before I get out of here is God's power in the, in the book of Acts chapter 3. There is this demonstration of just how awesome God really is when he heals a lame man who was lame from his mother's womb, who was a man that had never walked. I said a man that has never walked. But when Peter said to him, silver and gold, have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee, and said in the name of Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, rise up and walk. See, in case you missed it, it's one thing for you to have known how to walk and at some point sustain some kind of injury or suffered some kind of event where you were crippled and you weren't able to walk. If God heals you, you know how to walk again. But it's another thing when you have never walked and you have spent 40 years being carried. It's amazing. And one of the things that sticks out to my mind, in my mind, 
Elder Thomas is that they carried him to the gate, but they never carried him inside the church. Then one day, one day, you receive a word from God, and a man tells you to rise up and walk, and he lifts his hand out to you and pulls you up, and immediately you receive strength in your legs and in your feet. You have the ability in one moment to bypass months of physical therapy where you're learning how to walk. But at the name of Jesus Christ, I am saying to somebody today, you need to get up and get about the business of the Lord. Bible said when this man heard those words in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Bible said he got excited about what God had done for him. Not only did he rise up and begin walking, the Bible said that he leaped. He went into the church, and if you would allow me to use my imagination, he went into the church, the Bible says, leaping and rejoicing, dancing before all the people, and everybody knew that it had been the man that lay lame at the gate called Beautiful. Would you pray with me at this moment? Precious Father, we come before you thanking you, Lord, for the sacrifice that you've already made and for the gift that you've already shared with us. God, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of power, the gift of authority, I pray, God, that you would give us the boldness in this hour to reach out to those perhaps that we hadn't reached out to before, to let them know that you're still in control, that there's still unlimited power that you've resourced us with. We ask you, Lord Jesus, touch the hearts of believers. Remove doubt and fear everywhere. You've not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. Do this for us, O oh God, and we'll be careful, God, to give your name the praise, to give your name the glory, to give your name the honor. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And while we're praying, there might be someone that doesn't know the Lord Jesus in the pardoning of their sins. The remedy for this is simple. In the book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. God has raised Jesus from the dead. You shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If that's you today, just... Repeat this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I repent of my ways. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross 
just for me. And that you were buried. And on the third day, God the Father raised you from the dead. And right now, Lord Jesus, I open the door of my heart. And I receive you into my heart to be my Lord and my personal Savior. And I thank you right now. If you believe that prayer, God has saved you. We're rejoicing. There are angels that are rejoicing right now because you've given your life to the Lord Jesus. Encourage you to find a good Bible-believing, spirit-filled church. Hallelujah. If you need to contact us, you can visit us by the way of our website. Our prayer for you is that you will continue your spiritual growth and development with him. Praise God for his goodness. At this time, we're going to move very quickly into our communion celebration. I want to read in your hearing from the word of the Lord, and then I want to pray an intercessory prayer, and then we will virtually celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, together. There are those of you that are here that don't have the elements. I want to make sure that you get them while I'm reading, while I'm praying. From 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Beginning at verse 23, it reads like this. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the new testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Would you bow your heads once again in a word of prayer? Precious Father, we honor you today. We celebrate, we commemorate the sacrifice that you've made in order to make this life possible for us. To actually have a hope. To actually be partakers of your suffering as well as that day that you'll come and take us away with you. So we ask that you would look favorably upon us, look upon us with mercy. And God, as we examine ourselves, we pray that you would enter into the examination, oh God, to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment so that we might ask forgiveness for any area of our shortcoming, any error that we have made. For you said in your word, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Enable us, O oh God, to partake now in the body, in your body and your blood, 
with clear conscience, with a firm conviction, and with a celebratory mind that you, you alone paid the price for our salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. We say thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.